curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Today, I'm rejoined by Matt Lamb, Vice President of Partner Development for Facilis Group, a roughly $700 million business comprised of over 100 distributors in the promotional products industry across the United States and Canada. Matt is also the current record holder for most listened to episode on the So You're In Sales podcast series. We did a piece a little earlier in the year around Matt's thought on using data, statistics, and other analytics to achieve sales success, and the response to that episode was so overwhelming that Matt and I have been kicking around the idea of making this topic a recurring theme in the series. So welcome, Matt. We have zero pressure to deliver another great discussion. Like setting the bar high. Yeah, right. Yep. Uh, sometimes you gotta reach for the moon to hit the stars, or whatever Casey Kasem said. We'll remember that someday, right? But uh, so, hey, so uh, this episode will air in early 2018. So we know that many of you out there listening are in the middle of already executing on your 2018 sales plan, but I think that maybe some of you might still be hammering out a few of those details. So I thought, hey, Matt, if uh, today would be a great opportunity for us to maybe talk about some ways to kickstart or boost whatever 2018 sales planning people might have. Is that a a decent framework for the topic that uh, I invited you on for? Are you cool with that? Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. All right, well, cool. Let's get into it. You know, um, one of the things that we've talked about in the past is, Matt, your, your affinity for statistics and looking at information and using it in ways to inform the sales process. So knowing what I know about you, I'm guessing you've got some nuggets of uh, good information to share with folks. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, uh, we've been doing leading kind of the sales planning process for uh, as long as I can remember. So this is uh, definitely an annual exercise. We work through, have some great tools that we use and have developed over time. But I think it's really important to begin this discussion 
before you start talking about what your sales goal is, how we're going to get there, uh, there's a couple things that, that I think are important to set the table for the discussion. The first thing is uh, a, a purge, an a- annual purge uh, of your clients. And one of the keywords I, I always come back to, I mentioned a number of times on our last podcast, is the word focus. And, you know, obviously you're going to need to focus on the right things. And that's the whole point of developing a plan and a strategy. I, that, that becomes difficult or in some cases impossible if you're if you don't do some kind of purging and, and again that should be a regular thing um, but it, at worst it should be an it should definitely be an annual exercise where you're taking a step back from your business no, no time better than the beginning and end of the year to do that and look at the 80 20 rule you know where's where did where did 80 percent of my income come from? 20% of my clients, all that kind of stuff. And what what are maybe the bottom 20% of your accounts are taking up 80% of your time. You're not getting a lot of return on it. So it's just a great, great time to step back and, and kind of trim, trim the fat. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's the key before you get into a, a sales plan. It's much easier to devise an effective plan when you, when you do that purge, when you have less clients in your book of business, maybe less suppliers that you're going to deal with last year. You know, that's the other thing is purge doesn't, isn't exclusive to just client, uh, bad clients or, or lower producing clients or time draining uh, accounts or orders. It's you're looking at your whole world and trying to, to pare down. And I, I like to use the term shrinking your world, having less clients, less suppliers, even less quote unquote tools that you use to shrink your world will help you to, when you shrink your world, it allows you to dive deeper into everything that you've got um, and do it better. Make a more effective use of your time, more effective supplier meetings if you meet with less of them and really do it right instead of just checking off the box of having another supplier come in to your building and spend a, spend a half hour with them. Yeah, well, yeah, because you're not measuring the opportunity cost of that time investment that you've had to spend on investing in that relationship. So. Matt, do you, do you feel like are there like Mendoza lines that people might consider like above and below might be the threshold point to be making some of those cuts? Like, do, do you try to establish benchmarks for people to consider when they're trying to ponder where they might draw that line? Yeah, the, I, I, there's been a lot of uh, social and psychology studies on how much how many effective relationships somebody can can really maintain. Um, and, the, and again, the key word here is effective. And what we're talking about here is shrinking your world to lead to better service and better relationships um, across the board. So you're, everybody in your book of business is having the best version of you and the best experience and repeat business ex- and referrals and everything kind of blossoms from there. So that, that number tends to be debated, but I, I tend to try and arrive somewhere around uh, 250 at the at, as the ceiling. In other words, I don't think any rep should enter a new year with more than 250 uh, clients in their book of business. And, and again, that's on the very high end. You have to keep in mind a lot of the sales teams I'm working with, I'm trying to talk them off the ledge when they've got a book of business with 800 clients in their, in their account. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you have to start somewhere, but, um, that, and to validate that a little bit, the most, the highest producing sales rep in in all of Facilis has less than 200 clients. Interesting. So there's, there's a lot to be said for that, but again, it's boiled down to when's the last time they've done business with you 
a lot of times, in my experience, if you run a simple sales report looking at, um, for, for today, let's just say, let's take something easy and say, anybody, I only want to keep people that have bought from me since January 1 of 2016. So it's been over two years since they bought from you. If that's not true, it's time to, it's time to move on and cut bait. So taking a few easy steps like that can move you in the right direction to getting to that, uh, that manageable number. Because if you've got 600 clients in your book of business, uh, you're setting yourself up for failure. Oh, I just, I'm, I'm considering the math of what you're describing and just the amplitude of the frequency of the actual triggered buying event that occurs in a book of business of that size creates such velocity of work that I, that would be extremely difficult in my mind for an average distributor to scale to. So for someone to even think that that would be in consideration for them as the size of the, the top of their funnel, if you will. I mean, I, I, I think everyone should give some serious consideration to like how much business could I even handle if I was successful in trying to get it and building the business backwards from that. Right. Right. And you have to keep in mind your, your, if you're in sales, your, your book is always growing. You're, you're meeting new people. You're asking for referrals. You're pursuing new prospects. And so you want to set yourself up for in a position to where everybody on your plate in the prospect or client world is being attended to and, and attended to proactively and effectively. Um, and you're not just reacting to whatever's coming at you and, you know, 60% of the contacts never even hear from you. Right, right. Because you don't have the bandwidth. Right, and then, you know, that, that's a failure organizationally as well because then that customer's not even getting called on. So that makes it a challenge all the way around. Yeah. So sorry to go long-winded on point number one, but that purging, <laughs> I think, is really important. And again, I think doing that quarterly or biannually makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I know some of our partners have, have begun doing that on a more regular basis and it's paying big dividends. Um, and that really segues into point number two that I wanted to make, which is what this isn't a one, this shouldn't be once a year exercise. A lot of my experience in this industry is the strategic planning and thinking, uh, unfortunately may only happen once a year at the year end sales planning. And we take that as a great opportunity to step back as we should and develop a good strategy. But those should be living, breathing plans that are not only looked at, on a regular basis, but maybe tweaked and, and revisited um, on an ongoing basis, not something that's set on paper and you, uh, it, you know, it's it's a static thing. So that, that goes hand in hand with what we just talked about with making sure it's an ongoing purge, but doing this strategy uh, planning on a regular basis throughout the year. Well, and don't you think, Matt, I mean, I think in a lot of ways it's like going to the gym to exercise. It's one of those if you if you don't if you don't do that regularly, you can't see the benefit of your effort. So why not commit to the process in a broader sense than just to say, I'll take I'll take an annual look at my business. I mean, I've been involved in a lot of businesses of my own creation and of others' creation, and the only thing that has been constant between all of them is that whatever plan we wrote doesn't ever happen the way you plan for it. So, so if you're, right. if you're not taking the opportunity to continually evaluate how you're doing against what you thought you were going to do and making those tweaks, 
the likelihood of your success is pretty limited. So, uh, you know, I, I would echo that 1000% that it's important for that document. Yeah. And I even hesitate to call it a document. I mean, it's, it's a set of, uh, underlying and undergirding, uh, infrastructures and pillars of your business that you constantly have to be looking at in order to make sure that you're going to be successful. Yeah, exactly. They're guiding principles and you're, and you're working out the muscle, just like you said, with, uh, going to the gym, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think that's a really good way to look at things in general, setting sales planning aside for a moment, just, um, you know, you've got to work out the strategy muscle, um, for a lot of goals. If we're talking about goal, accomplishing goals and everything, I'm a big believer in the self-discipline muscle, figure out ways to make sure you're working out that muscle on a regular basis is a, is a good way to look at it. At least I've, I've found that to be really effective. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to think about it. Well, your your strategy muscle needs exercise. That's that's a good way to put it, right? And uh, that keeps you out of that sales mal- malpractice. That my favorite uh, term that you've coined. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It's every everything kind of feeds off of uh, off of the next thing. When you've got a plan, you're gonna and you've got a good pipeline filled out. You know, you'll that'll avoid that sales malpractice that I was referring to on the last. Uh, a podcast that you've got a, a way of doing business and it's rinse and repeat. And that's when efficiency and optimal output starts coming into play. When you've got that, that lined up and figured out and you're, you're living it every day. That's, that's really the key. Um, so those are a couple things to set the table for the discussion. You know, obviously you, you want to figure out where you want to be at the end of the year and work backwards from there. And you figure out your sales goal, what needs to happen to get there, you know, how many prospects uh, do I need to, to enter and pursue in order to achieve how many new, new clients that I would gather throughout the year in order to hit my newest development goal, which will lead to my sales success. This is where data can start coming into play because you can, should be able to look very easily whatever system you're on and figure out, you know, how many prospects did I put in this past year and how many of those turned into clients? What was the average time it took? Um, and just start looking through those numbers for a moment will start building your own roadmap because you'll see and you'll know how, how effective of a job you did at that. So if there's room for improvement there, you can, you can build in, you know, or factor that into the equation, but it's, it's really not that complicated to start mapping things out in today's world to start to know your own statistics and how you operate, how effective you're going to be. Use that as a benchmark to establish some uh, parameters around how you're going to get there. Uh, the number of prospects is a really, I, I think, a, an interesting one that I like to look at with, with reps, number of prospects, number of clients, and the average conversion ratio and timeline with those um, for a variety of reasons. You know, how, one, how often is that pipeline being filled? And and two, one of the things I've looked at with that group of reps I mentioned earlier on the 360 program is, and, and just reps in general, is that if that's a fairly close number of new prospects over the course of time versus number of new clients, that's even remotely close to a one-to-one ratio, that just tells me, this rep's servicing inbound or whatever right. whatever context they stumble upon right. versus I'm going to make a deliberate effort on a daily basis or on a weekly basis to identify some good qualified prospects and I'm going to pursue them and here's my approach to get there. 
that's that's really where you you need to be. And if you're doing that, you're going to have uh, some. You know, I think where you kind of want to be is uh, one out of every three, maybe 30 to 40 percent conversion ratio is very realistic and kind of the average that we see amongst the group. But if you're at 90 percent, you're not doing enough. Yeah, you're not working hard enough, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you're at 5 percent, you're pursuing the wrong people or your approach is is terrible or, you know, those are the things that you want to be in tune with throughout the year and and gauge your own effectiveness and make sure you've got your eye on the ball. Well, you know, another interesting nuance of this, and I know you've seen this happen, is perhaps I have uh, organized a successful plan and perhaps I have actually even been uh, disciplined and focused enough to execute on it and I've gotten new business. And because I did not prepare my business for the new business, I now absolutely grind my prospecting activity to a halt because I didn't put the building blocks in place to be able to onboard that business when I get it in order to ensure that I can move on to the next group of prospects and continue to grow my business over time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an important thing to understand uh, and, and be, re- you know, this is a time to be real, look in the mirror. And, and um, I think one easy thing, well, it's easier said than done, but what's, what's lacking um, a lot out there is, is, that new development process I just alluded to, what those steps are. Um, I, I think the the general uh, approach that out there that I see is just well, there is none. Right. I, it, it varies every time because I'm just kind of making it up it out as I go. Yep, making it up as I go. Yep. Yeah. So now is a great time, and again, you don't don't wait 11 months to think about this again because it's not January one. Now is a great time to think about what that process should look like. Use something as a, as a, a starting point, and that's, by the way, going to allow you to track uh, and be on top of, have a method to what you're doing and be on top of the prospects that you're pursuing. And that will be, you know, pay attention to what, what's effective and what's not and adjust accordingly. So that I know it's uh, everyone's going to have a little bit of a different playbook, and we could, I don't think we'll have time to get into the details of what that, that might look like, but map out those steps and have some kind of rhythm to what you do because the first several prospects, they might be terrible. You might fall on your face, but you've got to go through those steps and you'll start fine tuning. You'll figure out what, what works and you'll be more polished every, with, with every rep that you put in. hundred percent. And you know, I, I, like you have the affinity for sales efficiency, which I joke all the time. I think it's born out of my own laziness. You know, I just wanted to do it like the most effective way possible so that I could do do it as quickly as, as anybody or even faster than others because I felt like in a lot of ways, if you're more efficient, oftentimes you win the business just because of your efficiency in a lot of instances. But I, I look at prospecting today, you know, and as we were talking about maybe if we just high level talk a little bit about how you can organize your activity around what we just described, we, you and I and everybody in the world knows that it's going to take some repeated attempts to get someone to do business with you. And what I used to see in my time as a distributor uh, manager is I'd walk into people's offices and you could tell that they, they were literally trying to figure out what they were going to offer to the next person that they were going to call right before they were making that call. 
And they were literally reinventing that with every single phone call that they were making instead of having a system that they could rely upon so that they didn't have to think about that. They were just executing on whatever the next touch was supposed to be. So I just feel like you can't, you can't ably do what needs to be done to grow your business to the size it needs to be without some semblance of a plan in place to help you get there. So what better time to start than now? And hopefully uh, your three tips are a great way to get people focused or refocused maybe at this time of the year on making sure that they have something they can execute against. So bravo, my friend, you've done it again as always. And I'm so grateful that you came back on and I'm looking forward to our next time. All right. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Roger. You bet, man. Take care. All right. You too.